Michigan State is one of the biggest winners of the NBA draft withdrawal deadline. Just what exactly does it mean for Sparty next season? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily college basketball show out there. Yes, we are year-round even through the summer. I know we just hit the NBA draft withdrawal deadline, but we'll continue to be here with you all off season long. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. It's so good to be with you today. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we've got some winners and some losers of the deadline. We want to talk about the mixed bag in-betweeners. We'll get to those later on. But first, we got to start out by talking Michigan State. Well, we are now more than 24 hours removed from the NBA draft withdrawal deadline, and we want to look at one of what I believe is the biggest winners of the entire week, and that is Michigan State. The Spartans are doing work. You might know Izzo is Mr. March, but he's doing it this offseason. I am joined now by the host of Locked on Spartans, Mr. Matt Sheehan. Matt, great to be together as we're talking about great news for oh. these dudes, uh, and great news for the Big Ten, and frankly, great news for college basketball. I just love getting guys back. And so that's where we got to start. Jordan Akins, excuse me, Jaden Akins coming back. Same difference. That's okay. <laughs> At this point, right? AJ Hogard coming back. Matt, I think both, I think it's a very fair thing to say. Both of these were expected outcomes, but yep. it's all the same, makes it no less exciting to actually see it happen. Yeah, you said it best. Once the NBA Combine list comes out and Hogarth and Aikens are left off of it, okay, that's that's good. Okay, we're, that's one step down. The other step was, hey, the transfer portal deadline because, Isaac, in this day and age, I don't know if you ever heard Tom Izzo talk about this, but kids are very, very apt to just jump ship whenever things are going their way. And Jaden Aikens will be coming back as the third fiddle on this team. And for a lot of kids as talented as him, uh-uh, no, that, that is not going to cut it. But once that deadline passed, I, okay. We're just waiting for them to pull their names out of the draft. And this is the analogy I've used on my podcast. It, it was like Christmas morning. Look, you know <laughs> that you're going to be getting some gifts on December 25th. But when you open them, that doesn't dampen the excitement at all. When they pull their names out on that last day, oh, oh Isaac, deck the halls. It, it was a merry old time up in East Lansing. Uh, just absolutely thrilled to have these two guys back. And it's just been quite the offseason over here in East Lansing. So, yes, gosh, it's, a, it's it's great to talk to you, Isaac. Beautiful talking college basketball, <laughs> isn't right. it? Love it. Love it. Right here at the beginning of June, too. There is no offseason, and I'm here for that energy. Yeah. Uh, also, that analogy is perfect. That's so well said about it. I love that, and I'm definitely going to steal it, but I'll definitely give you credit as well. Do it. Uh, speaking of Tom Izzo, if I, don't, if I remember correctly, didn't he basically scoop Zach Eady coming back for Purdue? Did that happen? That did. That that kind of went completely under the radar. He was at some random camp or was it a charity? No, I think it was a charity event for Fran McCaffrey. And he just says like, yeah, when Edie comes back for Purdue next year, this was like within 10 hours of having a conversation with Matt Painter. Like, yeah. And so look at him. He does it all. Head coach, good recruiter, keeps his guys in the program and also breaks college basketball news. The guy is, is a busy man in the offseason. Wow. Izzo, what a guy. Um, speaking of bringing guys back, one of the things – Matt, that's really impressive to me in this transfer portal area that you were just talking about is when we're seeing teams have six, seven guys out and St. John's bringing 57 guys in. um, Like we look at that 
And it, unless I've just missed something, Michigan State has only lost one player this offseason to the transfer portal and thus far hasn't brought anyone in. Have I missed anything or am I correct with that? You have not missed anything. The only guy that has left is Joey Hauser. He could have come back for a 17th year of college thanks to COVID and all the red shirts and everything. But after again, after he's been in college since 1998, like he's on to other things. So really, you didn't lose a whole lot this offseason that you weren't expecting to lose. That is uh, Pierre Brooks. You know, that that's a guy who rumor had it had his bags packed ready for the portal like mid-December last year. So again, greener pastures ahead for him. I hope he does great at Butler. It just not was not right. working out here at Michigan right. State. But man, yet you're keeping a lot of guys, including three guys, Malik Hall, AJ Hogarth, Tyson Walker, who are all going to be over the age of 23 next season. I mean, that that is geezer status in college basketball. And that's what it takes to win sometimes. It's not just experience, but talent with set experience. And all three of those guys have that. So it's it's been a fortunate, fortunate offseason, to say the least, for MSU. Yeah, especially in the slog of that Big Ten schedule, you need all that experience to help bring together. And that's one of the things we saw, especially this year, as we're really getting the transfer portal stuff going, is it feels like there's upset after upset. And I think a lot of that, Matt, quite frankly, is due in part to teams still figuring each other out because they haven't been together for multiple years. That's not going to be true of this Michigan State team. And so I'm expecting them to come out of the gate guns blazing, take a win in the Champions Classic. I don't, you know, I guess it was Kentucky last year. Who did y'all play last year in Champions Classic? It was Kentucky, double overtime game. My heart rate is still trying yeah, to get back to right. baseline. Casey Wallace yeah. had like eight steals for Kentucky. So anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll see Kansas or Duke this year. But I mean, I'm expecting. Michigan State to come out guns blazing because of that cohesion and because of the man at the helmet. Any any reason not to think that will be the case? I mean, it, it will be Duke in the Champions Classic, and they're going to be one of the few teams maybe ranked ahead of Michigan State. I mean, I've seen a lot of experts have Michigan State at three, some down as low as six. How dare they? But still, like they're going to get a very good test early on. Kyle Filipowski's back. I mean, they got a gaggle of incredible freshmen coming in. It's Duke. We know the deal with that. But also, I mean, it's not going to be as hard of a schedule as it was last year where, I mean, Tom Izzo was trying to schedule teams like the Sacramento Kings last year and the Golden State Warriors. Like, he had a murderer's row to start the season, whereas this year, okay, the Gavit games, you get Butler at home. No disrespect to the Bulldogs. I, I, that, that might be a winnable game here for Michigan yeah. State. The Arizona game on Thanksgiving Day will be a good one as well, but it's only like two headline non-conference games where in East Lansing – that's considered a light off season, quite frankly. So yeah, I mean, you really could hit the ground running, especially with this starting lineup that you could have. I don't want to jump shit and uh, hijack the show here, but I'm, I'm done to talk starting lineup because that's another key reason too why you could get off to a hot start here. Yes, absolutely. And Matt, I mean, one of the other things that's not part of that non-conference schedule more is the ACC Big Ten Challenge, of course, uh, which yep. had its last year last season, and so that's unfortunate to to yeah. lose that almost essentially two-decade-old challenge, but uh, we do it. Yes, you mentioned starting five. This is something I would – is always one of my favorite off-season talking points because it just is a fun thing. It almost feels like it's harder to root people out than like, ah, we got to add one more. Like this starting five, I could see quite a few different permutations of it. As you've started trying to piece that puzzle together, Matt – what do you yeah. see as a potential starting lineup for Sparty? Yeah, there's only, what, 68 combinations that you could have with <laughs> not just the returning experience coming back, but also I, 
Michigan State top five recruiting class coming into next season. I mean, some sites have him as high as the number three recruiting class in the nation. And my starting five right now, it doesn't have any of those four dynamic freshmen on the starting five, which is like, that's it's kind of like a bummer, but it's also like, oh man, things are looking really good then. If you have two McDonald's All-Americans coming off the bench in East Lansing, and then, oh, the third guy in Cohen Carr, who is maybe inarguably, maybe there's not even a debate for it, most athletic freshman in the country next year. And then the fourth fiddle, I mean, Garrick Norman, who I think the world of, but the starting five, AJ Hogard, Tyson Walker at the two, Jaden Akins at the three, Malik Hall at the four, and then Mati Sissoko at the five. I mean, mm-hmm. that is insane experience coming back. The only starter you lose from last year is Joey Hauser at the four. Okay. Who's plugging in for him. It's a guy that's going to be in his fifth year at Michigan state in Malik Hall. Like, what an incredible situation for Tom Izzo to be in. Is that like, oh, shoot, there's a hole in our starting lineup. Hey, you that's been around here since Drew Neitzel was dribbling the basketball. Uh, step right up. You're going to be in the starting rotation now. And now behind him are those two McDonald's All-Americans, the point guard Jeremy Fears. And then, hey, you know what? Maybe that top 20 rated kid, Xavier Booker, he's a four. He's a five. Doesn't really matter. Maybe he creeps his way into the starting lineup. Izzo has been known to do that. You know, have a very talented freshman take the seat of an experienced player. So maybe that happens by January. But to start the season, I mean, these are five guys that have known each other. God, ever since Obama was wrapping up his second term, basically. Like <laughs> these guys are well established with one another. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Man, that and and that's kind of what I would always expect from Izzo. Let's give the experienced guys the shot first. I want to talk yeah. more about Malik Hall in just a second because had something of an injury-riddled 2022-23 that I think really set him back, but boy, a healthy version of him. I want to talk about that. I want to mm-hmm. give you an opportunity, Matt, to project ahead some over-under in terms of total wins for Michigan State this upcoming season. And then I just want to take a little bit of an overview look at the Big Ten because there's another team from this conference that earned a one seed last year. It ended in ignominy, but uh, there's some great hopes there in Matt Painter's club as well. We're going to talk about all that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs right now. We're following up on the day after game one of the NBA finals because right now, new customers get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I love betting with FanDuel for all my sports stuff because they have great promotions every day. The app, it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well done. Oh. Beautiful, oh beautiful. man, I'm always yeah. hit, hitting those reads, Sheehan. You know it. Look at you. <laughs> I'm just stuttering and stammering through mine over here. That, that was flawless. Perfect diction. Look at you go, man. Look at you. Uh, friends, thank you so much for joining us on Locked On College Basketball, especially you everydayers. We love that you're still dialed in with us in June. It's going to be a great offseason. Uh, Andy Patton and I have stuff coming all week long to continue unpacking the draft deadline on monday we're going to have our draft deadline winners like michigan state and our losers what up kentucky yikes make sure you tune right back in 
for that. But Matt, Yikes, I want to come right. back. Oh, <laughs> dude, it, it was ugly. Sorry. I can't believe She Boy stayed in the draft. Like, what? That blew my mind. Okay, dude. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so give me just briefly again that starting five that you reeled off. And then I want to talk Malik Hall a little bit. Let's just refresh. Yeah, of course. AJ Hogard at the one. That's your point guard. Number two off ball, Tyson Walker. Number three, Jaden Akins. Number four, the power forward position, Malik Hall. And then. At the five, it is Matty Sissoko, but really, I, I think Izzo's just going to put three names in a hat. Matty Sissoko, Jackson Kohler, Carson Cooper, shake it up, draw a name, and then just roll with it for the first four minutes of the game and then let the chips fall from there. Like That, that center position is going to be just a, a game show with three doors, and who knows what one's going to be open any given night. So, Well, s- since we went there, let me table Malik Hall yeah. for just a second because I did want to ask you about Sissoko as well. Like, It feels yeah. like he has been this guy – with so much potential and so much hope, like each season, I'm yeah. like, all right, Sissoko's going to take that leap now, right? And I just right. feel like I've not seen him ascend to the heights that I have hoped or that I thought he would have. Matt, do you have any expectations that he will do that this season? Will he continue to kind of just hang out being a guy? And then, as you mentioned, there's other guys coming behind him now, um, including super freshman, as you talked about, Xavier yeah. Booker, who could step in to that role. And man, that that would give the lineup a different look. What are, what are your thoughts about Sissoko ahead of next season? You are bang on. And yeah, we are going to take a break from the hoopla because, I, look, do I expect him to make a jump next year? Sure. You know, he came in here as a top 40 recruit, super raw, but I've also thought that we would see this jump the last two off seasons. And believe me, last year at the Champions Classic, I think what he had a double double. He held his own against Oscar Shibway. This was the game after the Gonzaga game where he looked just incredible. And then after he hit that Euro step against Kentucky, it's like, oh my God, this guy is prime Orlando Magic Dwight Howard. And then you never saw anything close to that the rest of the season. It was like, okay, well, here we are. Back to square one. Here's a guy in his third year uh, who really hasn't developed a single post move. He really has a hard time catching the ball. Um, kind of, so again, I just feel he's such a nice kid. He has a great embodiment of a student athlete at Michigan State. So I feel terrible. He is so much better at life than I am. Um, but with that said, I mean, it has really been a slow oncoming for this kid that came on as this great raw prospect. But what he does have going for him next year is that like he doesn't have to be any any time that he's on the court, a top three option of the offense. I mean, yes, the, the pick and roll would be nice to have. It would be great if he can catch those alley-oop passes. But look, you're so strong around the perimeter is that I don't think he's going to have to be this mainstay of the offense but God, would it be nice if we just saw a little bit of growth from him coming up this season? I mean, just something like eight points, seven rebounds a game. Yeah, I don't. Let's yeah. yeah, just that would do show it. Show us that you're working out there. I mean, and that's the thing too. It's like you can never question his motor. It's not for lack of effort or anything like that. So that's why I feel even worse. It's like God, the kid is trying his damnedest out there, but just hasn't come together. And uh, God, I really hope maybe it is a four-year growth. We've seen it happen a long time ago at Michigan State. Goran Zutan, it took him four years to really okay. get going. Oh, so Zutan, what a guy. I know, I know I'm going back like a decade and a half right now, but uh, hey, it, it has happened in the well, Tom Izzo history. That's right. And the thing with Sissoko, the upcoming senior class is the last class that has the, that year of COVID eligibility. So yeah, we could right. get two more years of him potentially. Now, one of the issues I think last season, Matt, was that you had Sissoko just kind of plateauing as he did. Mm-hmm. And then the Malik Hall injuries and him being in and out of the lineup, it was just just tantalizing enough to be like, man, let's get Malik Hall in here. And I love 
thinking about like Hauser, great basketball player. But when, when you think about the switch in athleticism from Grandpa Hauser to Malik sure. Hall and everything he could bring, I mean, that's yeah. just a different type of dynamic for Michigan State that they wouldn't have had last year with uh, with Hauser in that same mm-hmm. position. What what do you anticipate that looks like? And can Malik Hall stay healthy? That that is the one million dollar question because it's it's been injury issues for the last few years for him. But yeah, like he's the most polarizing player amongst the fan base at Michigan mm-hmm. State because there are some fans that just want him gone. They wanted to put him in a box and ship him to whatever Spanish league or Yugoslavian league that they wanted to send Kentucky him to. Even. I'm not. Kentucky, dude. Uh, There's probably sweet nil package for him. They could use. They could use me or you over there, Isaac. It's, it ain't looking no, too great. Coach Cal, I've got. I've got. Uh, How could it be? Oh, I'm sure Rupp Arena would be thrilled at me airballing the first two layups of, of my career. It would just go incredible. But no, like I'm not part of that camp with Malik Hall because okay. look, he went out for what a lot of people thought was the season last year with the foot injury, but he only missed two weeks. But in that two weeks. You saw defensively Michigan State take a step back, and then offense was kind of hit and miss. It wasn't as steep of a fall off as it was defensively, but even when he came back, look, he was not 100% with that injury, so it never really got back to what it was, and that maybe affected his play. Go figure, the guy's got an injury. So Who is what people what? remember, uh, no kidding, right? Yeah, it's not like he used that in basketball or anything, but, yeah, when he came back, I think people remember that last month, month and a half of the season where he didn't have his best and unfortunately he was caught in a lot of unfortunate situations like well the, the Kansas State game the the dagger was scored on him so and uh, no we're keeping it upbeat here I'm not going to rehash that game <laughs> Lee Call is an important figure to this team because if not for experience like yes he is a solid defender maybe not totally like oh plus plus defender but sure. again compared to like Hauser who was look I love Joey Hauser he did great things for Michigan State he scored three pointers a lot, and he had to because he got two points scored on him almost every single trip down the court. Like in Malik Hall, it doesn't really happen to that extreme. So yeah, to have a guy that is experienced and just for the most part has a level head on his shoulders too, especially in a stressful program like Michigan State, yeah. it's invaluable. And I think that if he gets off to a good start next season, hopefully he can stay healthy. I mean, yeah, I think he's going to be a really strong player. And let's say that he does come off the bench halfway through next year. Let's say Xavier Booker overtakes him. I don't think this kid is a stupid kid. I think that he will know yeah. his role on this team. Yep. And I don't think he's going to be like, oh, what do you mean this <laughs> athletic freak who's six foot 11 and can shoot the three point ball took my role? Like, no, I think he's going to take that in stride too and be a strong leader on this team. That's just how I see the whole Willie Call situation. Good Man, player. Well, he's fine, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Matt, I told you I want to get your over under. So we're including yeah. this is win total for regular season and postseason combined. And I know that is an unknown number, the postseason. Regular season, folks, for those who aren't aware, in college basketball, you get 31 games. There could be, you know, depending, I'm assuming Michigan State would have no more than three because they're not, you know, they're only going to start in the quarterfinals of Big Ten. And then if you get all six games of the NCAA tournament, that can get you to 40. So, Matt, Mm -hmm. With somewhere between 31 to 40 games, I'm going to give you an over-under of 28 wins for Michigan State in 23-24. What are you doing? You know, you told me this about 20 minutes ago before we started recording, and I still have not <laughs> firmly still. You know what? Screw it. No, over 38, actually. Is 28? No. Let's go with this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I am through my green-tinted glasses, and maybe I'm just still riding the high of Akins and Hogarth coming back. I 
I do like the over there. And believe me, I mean, it's not going to be an easy feat. I mean, hey, let's just look how great Michigan State did in the Big Ten tournament last year. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> we got 86 immediately by a true freshman guard in Ohio, at Ohio State. So what really gives me pause, though, is that it's going to come down to the wire. I, th- I could see it being like 29 games or 28 on the dot. I don't like that we see Indiana once, and I don't like that we see Purdue once. And yeah. to boot, they're both on the road. They're at Assembly Hall, and they're at Mackey Arena, a place that I have no recollection of ever seeing Michigan State win at. So, like, <laughs> uh, that's going to be two automatic losses. I think you split the Duke and Arizona thing, but it is that non-conference which is going to push me over the 28. It's not going to be in the postseason. I think that you get two Big Ten tournament games. I think you can assure that. The tournament, oh, God, I think you get two or three at least. I don't want to jinx anything here. So, yeah, I'm going to go with over 28 just because of how the non-conference is looking in. And I love it. Would love to see that be a reality. I was trying to look up really quick Purdue and Michigan State head-to-head. And the last time. I think it's 14. uh, 2014, I believe. was the last time they won at Mackey. Okay. Very good. That's what Wikipedia tells me, but I don't believe (laughs) it. I think that, like, is a fudge number because, I, I, dude, every single time the ball is tipped at Mackey, Purdue starts with a 38 to zero lead. Like it, like it is an impossible place for Michigan state to win at impossible. I love it. It's, it's not like they look good this year or anything too. Like, the, you know, so. Well, Matt, we project speaking of Purdue, it's going to be a great big 10 season again, before the West coast teams come yeah. over pretty soon. Uh, we've yeah, got right. Michigan state Purdue. I expect to both be preseason top five. Illinois is getting Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, Jr. Back. Uh, lots of great teams all around the conference should be another wild season and Michigan State is going to be right in the thick of that Matt Sheehan host of Locked on Spartans thanks for joining me so much fall uh, folks please make sure you go give our guy Matt a follow at Sheehan underscore sports go do it you've got like 80 gajillion followers on Twitter if I remember correctly Matt way to go Keep- People like seeing unhinged behavior during a, a college sports game. So, yeah, come find me there if you want to see a completely uh, unstable adult during a college athletics game. It's, it's a great time on Twitter. Great time. I love to hear it. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Cannot wait to see what next year has in store for Spartans. I'm sure we will be checking in together again. I hope so. Wednesday was an absolutely wild day leading up to the NBA draft withdrawal deadline for NCAA players. Plenty of teams were winners. Plenty of teams were losers, but some were both. Who are those mixed bag teams? I got a list of four of them for you coming up in just a second. On Monday's show, Andy Patton and I are going to talk about who we think are the winners and losers of the draft withdrawal deadline for college players. But right now, I want to get into four teams that I believe were actually both. They were. These are the mixed bag teams who both won a little and lost a little, and a lot of it actually happened on Wednesday. And so I want to start on the West Coast, and then we're going to go to the SEC. Let's start with the UCLA Bruins. We obviously already knew that Amari Bailey was gone, along with Jaime Jaquez, Tyler Can- Tiger Campbell, excuse me, David Singleton. But then on Wednesday, we learned that Adem Bona was going to come back for UCLA for his sophomore year. The big man, I, I did not necessarily think this was going to happen for UCLA, but it's great news for them. On the flip side, the bad news, the reason they're in this conversation, is because reigning National Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Clark, decided to stay in the draft. So our last memory of him, unfortunately, in college basketball is going to be of him unable to play in the postseason due 
to injury. Staying on the West Coast, moving up north to the West Coast League, uh, West Coast Conference, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Now, on Tuesday for the Zags, we learned that Julian Strother was going to stay in the draft. But then, again, the chaos of Wednesday, we learned that Malachi Smith was going to stay in the draft, the one who transferred up from Chattanooga to Gonzaga. He's staying in, so uh, Gonzaga needs to fill that role. But the, probably the, the great news for the Bulldogs and Mark Few is that Anton Watson is coming back to Spokane. We learned that on Wednesday, of course, as well. is going to hopefully fill a massive Drew Timmy-sized hole in the Bulldogs lineup next season. Also, we learned that Steel Venters, who is transferring to Gonzaga, is in fact pulling out of the draft as we expected all along. All right, let's move to the opposite corner of the country, down south to Tennessee and Arkansas, two teams in the SEC. I guess Arkansas is not really the opposite corner, but go with me on it. Let's start with Tennessee. Got some great news earlier on Wednesday that Josiah Jordan James, J cubed, I like to call him, is coming back uh, using that COVID eligibility. Great news there for Rick Barnes. But then we also learned that Julian Phillips is actually going to stay in the draft. And this was the stud freshman from Tennessee last year. Uh, and so that that's a tough blow for the Vols. Uh, we already know Olivier Kam was in the transfer portal. We know that Zakai Ziegler will hopefully be back from that ACL injury. Um, uh, last I've checked, don't know a certain definite timeline on that, but we'll keep our eyes on that. And obviously Tennessee's had some wins, you know, in the transfer portal. Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado amongst others. And then the last school I want to mention in this mixed bag is Arkansas. Razorbacks get some great news that Devo Davis is coming back. Just an electric personality, somebody fun, going to continue to really fill out that already overloaded backcourt. So good luck to Coach Musselman figuring that one out. But then, unfortunately, we learned this one late in the game Wednesday night that Jordan Walsh is going to stay in the draft. This was somebody that all along I thought should come back, whether I thought he would or not. I'm, I never really felt like I had good clarity on, but I always thought that he should come back. Ultimately decides to stay in the draft. Good for you. Go do your work, young man. You know what I mean? And so that's great. So that is a four pack of mixed bag results on the withdrawal day. So UCLA, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Arkansas. What I'd love to hear from you folks is who you think should be on this list. If there's anybody else that uh, I didn't mention, these are just my top four. Obviously, there's others out there. Let us know in the comments. If you're listening, hop into the DMs on Twitter and let us know or say something there. Friends, thanks for joining us again this week on Locked On College Basketball. Man, it's so fun that we get to talk about this sport all the time, highlight all these great teams and great young men and coaches and everything going on. Can't wait to be right back with you on Monday of next week. If you would, go leave us a review on iTunes, five stars. Talk about why you really enjoy listening to our show. Please subscribe to it, by the way, for those of you watching on YouTube. If you're not watching, if you're a listener, Go still subscribe to YouTube. Why not? It always helps. Smash the like button and leave comments. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until Monday, peace.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.